this was only going to end one way, frankly. So uh, here we go again, 17 months and yet another interim manager to, to see us through to the end of the season. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Chris Wheatley Show, National World's brand new weekly podcast that aims to keep you in the know on all things Premier League. I'm your host, Jason Jones, and I'm joined as always by Chris Wheatley, as well as National World's James Trembath. We'll be discussing all sorts of things as the season progresses, but this week we'll be taking a closer look at Antonio Conte's exit from Tottenham. We'll be reflecting on the international break, and as always, we'll be putting our listener questions to Chris as well. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it. James, welcome to the show. Obviously, you're our man for all things Tottenham. News broke on Sunday night. Antonio Conte's left the club. It sort of felt as if this was going to happen for, for quite a while now, especially after he gave that uh, quite inflammatory uh, press conference not too long ago. Do you think it's the right move for Tottenham to part company with him now? Well, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on the show uh, as well, Chris. And uh, I think it was inevitable, wasn't it? He um, he had to go, Antonio Conte. Um the, the relationship started so brightly, didn't it, with a, a top four finish at the end of last season, you know, pipping Arsenal to the post. Um, I think we went on a run of 11 games uh, in terms of victories at the end of the season and, and pipped that that spot for fourth. And then uh, the house has just completely collapsed around us, hasn't it, frankly? Uh, we haven't kicked on. Antonio Conte's attitude and, and his sort of demeanour around the club has, has just been, been more toxic, if you like. He's been... Press conferences have been more bizarre and, and, you know, we spent the last few months, you know, uh, Antonio Conte thinking he's doing Tottenham a favour. So it was destined for, for failure. This day was always going to come and, and, you know, it's inevitable his exit. And I, I think the majority of Spurs fans were with him at one point, I think, and it was it was in the battle with sort of Daniel Levy in the boardroom. Um, but certainly in the last few weeks, that, that tide has definitely turned. And, uh, you know, for me, he had to go. Um, you know, you can't speak out against your employer uh, in the manner that he did, regardless of whether we agree with some of his points, which you know we definitely do, you know the points that he made were very valid, but the forum that he made them in was was you know completely in the wrong way, and this was only going to end one way, frankly. So uh, here we go again, uh, seventeen months, and yet another interim manager to to see us through to the end of the season. I mean, here we go again is, is kind of the perfect way to sum it up, isn't it? Really, it seems to be a, a cycle with Tottenham. I mean, the next appointment. Is, is going to be absolutely vital, isn't it? Is there anybody in particular who, who you would like to see come into the role on a, on a permanent basis? Well, I think in terms of your, your heart and your head, I think the, the heart says Pochettino, doesn't it? I mean, the head says never go back, um, but the heart definitely does say Pochettino would be the romantic appointment um, just to reconnect the club with, with the fans. I've, I've never known it so toxic and so disconnected, I think, at the moment. I think, you know, a lot of Spurs fans are just very numb with the situation. It's sort of the air of inevitability, the the, the air of failure, um, so for me, a Pochettino, a Nagelsmann, I think you'd have probably put Graham Potter in that bracket as well a few months ago before he went to Chelsea, but a, a project manager um, for the, for a project club, essentially. We've, we've got to hit the reset button. We've got to re-engage with the fans. I think what I would really like to see now is, is Daniel Levy he almost come out of hiding and make a public appearance and explain the vision and the future for the club. And, you know, let's tell us where we're going to go. I mean, we've got Christian Stellini in place for the the last 10 games of the season. That's interesting in itself. I don't think it's ever been done before, has it, where uh, managers uh, gone and, and the assistant he brought with him stayed on to, to sort of steer the ship for the rest of the season. So that's a fascinating move in itself, really, and only time will tell how that works out. Um, Stellini, I think, is very popular with the players, uh, and he, you know, he's won five out of seven games when when Conte has been away from the dugout. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, you look at Bayern Munich over the water. 
10 games to go. They've sacked Nagelsmann uh, and they've brought in Thomas Tuchel and acted decisively and, and you know, trying to look to salvage their season and, and look at the, the state of play for Bayern Munich. If you look at that, it's chalk and cheese compared to where Tottenham are at the moment in terms of cups and, and league positions. So it's a gamble to, to bring Stellini in until the end of the season. Um, it's another write-off, isn't it? It's just all points to another another disaster really behind the scenes. So what I would really like to see is a, is a manager come in now, not necessarily take the reins now, you know, but, but get the feet under the table, do the legwork ahead of next season, you know, plot the strategy, plot the players that he wants, you know, look at the squad, the formation, the structure, how we're going to play, because it's got to change. I mean, one of the one of the worst things about the Antonio Conte reign this season has been the football. It's been, you know, turgid at best. You know, the results have been been up and down. We've had some we've had some highs and, and lots of lows, but um in general the football is just unbearable to watch. So you know, for me, whoever comes in, it's a project, it's a vision, it's a long-term goal. Whether we have to step back a couple of seasons, um, you know, if, if we make the top four this season, fantastic. But if we, if we don't, which, you know, the, the odds are stacking against us now with teams around us with games in hand, you know, we need to take a step back, rebuild, decide where Tottenham want to be um, and sort of, you know, correct this sort of win now with a project manager, uh, get the right appointment in. Whether Fabio Paratici will be at the club is another matter. Obviously, that will impact uh, significantly on who comes in, I think, as well. Do they want to work with the director of football? Will the director of football still be still be there with all the Juventus controversy, obviously, surrounding him at the moment? So a real big reset, a real engagement for for fans, for club, and, and a clear vision going forward because, you know, it's it's been one sorry mess uh, yet again since Pochettino left in, in 2019. You mentioned Maurizio Pochettino leaving in 2019. Do you think Daniel Levy will admit that he was wrong? Uh, because essentially rehiring Pochettino would be a kind of admittance that it was a mistake to let him go. Do you think Daniel Levy is the kind of uh, kind of figure who would admit that he's wrong? No, I don't think so. Is the, is the short answer? But you know, wouldn't it go a long way with the with the fans if he did swallow his pride and, and bring back Pochettino? I mean. I think as much as anything else, Daniel Levy needs to build some bridges with the club now. I mean, you know, you look at what he's done for us in terms of structure and uh, with the training ground, the stadium. Um, but on the pitch, you know, he's got barely anything to show for it. One League Cup in, in 20 years, which just, just isn't good enough. And we're, we're burning through managers now at the moment, you know, like there's no tomorrow. So, you know, it'd be a big statement. I think, I think the boardroom's pretty much split in terms of Pochettino, isn't it? Whether he, you know, some want him back, uh, others maybe not so sure. But for Levy, that would be a real, you know, uh, public declaration, I guess, that he's, he's made a mistake. But I think it would really help in terms of fan engagement as well and bringing the fans back on board. So it'll be an interesting decision and, and, and time will tell. And you sort of alluded to it there, James. Obviously, Tottenham's still very much in the running for a Champions League spot, even though the teams beneath them have games in hand and, and the like, you know. How important could that be for them? You know, when you think the sort of knock-on effect of not getting Champions League football, it then impacts the recruitment policy in the summer. That potentially turns some managers away from the club and, and, and the project that they're looking to build. Do you think it could be a, a real sort of important thing for them to get that fourth spot? Well, I think it would be huge in terms of the future of Harry Kane. I mean, that's another thing that's hanging over us at the moment, isn't it? You know, all uncertainty over the manager, the director of football, the star player... So, you know, if we get in the top four, that would certainly help the case to, to keep Harry Kane. And, you know, you look at the type of manager that we may go for, Pochettino, the Nagelsmanns of this world, you know, Real Madrid may well be looking for a manager in the summer. So to having Champions League would be be absolutely huge, which is why the appointment of Stellini is a, a real fascinating one, isn't it? You know, should we have gone for a, 
a proven stopgap, if you like, you know, brought in a name who could have just perhaps done the job for the last 10 games. Have we gone all out for, for Nagelsmann or Pochettino and they, they both want to collect the thoughts and, and see what happens? Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? But I mean, top four, you know, it's massive in terms of finances for, for the squad next season. It would be massive in terms of keeping Harry Kane. Um, but in the bigger picture, you know, I, I do think genuinely a lot of Spurs fans would, would forfeit fourth spot this season if we got the the project right and we and we come back firing next season. I mean you only have to look down the road at what happened with Arsenal. You know, they missed out on the top four. They didn't they didn't sulk, it galvanised them. They brought in three or four shrewd signings and, and not, you know, you wouldn't on the face of it say they were world class players, but look how well they've gelled. Look how well Arteta's got them playing and, and you know the results are there for all to see, aren't they? So, you know, I wouldn't be against following that blueprint to be honest with you. Just reconnect with the club, some shrewd signings in there. Fingers crossed we tie Harry Kane down. Um, you know, whether we will or not, that's that's going to be huge, isn't it, this summer? But we need to just rid ourselves of the uncertainty. You know, if, we, if Kane is going to go, make the swift decision. You know, if we're going to get a manager in, make the swift decision. You know, be, be big, be bold and, and get on with it, really, without things dragging on through the summer, which would be a, a huge problem and, and, you know, again, adds to that air of uncertainty. Now, obviously, we all know it's been the international break. No football for Arsenal over the past week or so, but plenty of Arsenal players in action, Chris, all across Europe. We'll start with the man of the moment, Bukayo Saka. I mean, what a performance from him yesterday. We're recording this on Monday morning against Ukraine. A goal and an assist and a 2-0 win and, and proven once again why he is one of the, the hottest talents in world football right now. Yeah, and it's scary, isn't it? He's 21 years old, so you can only just wonder how good he's going to be in a few years' time or even a year's time from now. Uh, once again, amazing performance from Bakayo Saka uh, against Ukraine. He was playing against his uh, Arsenal teammate, Alexander Zinchenko. He was also up against Mikhailo Mudrik as well, although he didn't get as many minutes as expected. But I feel that this was, uh, again, another first-class performance from Saka. And I think the consistency that he's showing as well. He's played 50 games for club and country this season. Um, some fans have questioned that maybe he's going to be burnt out. But a few days ago, Saka was asked about this and he said, don't worry about me, I'm going to sleep in summer. So he's got his holidays planned for once the season is going to come to an end. Um, but yeah, in terms of performance yesterday, once again, uh, one of the best players on the pitch, if not the best player. I mean, you talk there about his mentality, you know, just the application that he's shown this season for club and country, when you think about how good he was at the World Cup as well, as, as being second and on. And I think there's a real argument to be made for him being one of, if not the first name on that team sheet for England now, isn't it? You know, it was this time two, three years ago, it was Harry Kane and, and, and Raheem Sterling, essentially. And it really does feel as if Bakaya Saka is, is almost usurped Sterling a little bit. You then consider, you know, the fact that Southgate likes that 4-3-3 formation and suddenly you're in a situation where up front, if Kane and Saka are nailed on to start, you have Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, you know, Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling all conceding for, uh, competing rather, for that one single spot uh, out, out on the left-hand side. And I mean, it's, it's a real embarrassment of riches for England to have right now. It really is. And I just think when you, you, you're talking about Saka, he's someone who's respected throughout the, the squad. You know, he has good relationships with everyone from the coaching staff to the players. He's very close with Jack Grealish, with Declan Rice. Um, Luke Shaw said that if he was going to have a son, he would love to have a son like Bakayo Saka. I think that's probably one of the biggest compliments you could get 
um, from a, a fellow teammate. Uh, I think the fact that he's so humble and he has such a, a good character is obviously credit to him and credit to his parents as well. I think he comes from a very modest background. His dad's a chartered surveyor. He's, uh, I think this is one of the things that really stands out about him, that he, you know, that there's no ego with Bukayo Saka and it's why he's respected and liked by, I think, opposition fans as well. You know, you rarely see opposition fans kind of picking on him as a player, whereas maybe other players do get picked on because of their kind of um, arrogance or their ego, something that Saka doesn't have. So, yeah, I think England are spoiled with the the amount of options they have. But for me, uh, Saka is the first name on that team sheet for both club and country right now. Other Arsenal players involved in international action, Martin Odegaard, uh, 3-0 defeat for his Norwegian side against Spain a couple of days ago. Slight bit of controversy in that one as well. He wasn't too happy with a a challenge from Manchester City midfielder Rodri. Could you just maybe sort of explain that situation to us and and the fallout of that? So this was a really poor challenge from the Manchester City defender on Norway's captain. He went in late, studs up on Odegaard. And I think after the game, Odegaard was certainly not best pleased. He was actually shown the challenge, uh, the replay of the challenge by a Norwegian TV station. And he gave his opinion on it. He basically said, uh, if I say any more, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, Referring to the referee, of course, he didn't want to talk about uh, the referee's decision. A really poor challenge. And I think it could have been a lot worse. I'm sure Erdegaard is just going to get away with bruising. But this was a kind of challenge which potentially, if it goes wrong, could end a player's season when you consider there's only a couple of months left now. Yeah, obviously the Manchester City-Arsenal game is coming up April the 26th at the Etihad. It's going to be a a crucial game and uh, Arsenal will want to have their captain available for that match. Uh, As far as we know, it's not uh, anything serious. Martin Odegaard obviously probably came away with a bit of bruising from that challenge. But yeah, I think Mikel Arteta would have been watching that with... uh, behind his sofa and I think it's one of these uh, challenges as well which you just you know always happens on international duty it's it's what managers really fear and um, fortunately we understand that Martin Odegaard is is okay but yeah it could have been worse and uh, I think uh, Kirantini actually is coming up against Spain in a couple of days so I'm sure he will be uh, looking forward to that one coming up against Rodri um, in that game yeah he certainly uh Seems like the sort of player who, uh, you know, has a, has a good memory in that regard. It is interesting, though, you mentioned, obviously, you know, Mikel Arteta. And, you know, we've spoken about Erdegaard and the fact that he's avoided injury in that challenge. Also alluded to the fact that Bukayo Saka, despite what he said, you know, you know, there is the potential for these players to be getting burnt out in that. And when you look at where Arsenal are at, 10 games to go this season in a fantastic position that not many people would have had them in at the start of the season in, in their sort of early season predictions. You know, this international break must have just been a nerve-wracking one for managers and players alike because you don't want to be in that situation where you pick up the injury that rules you out of the, uh, the remainder of the season and, and potentially jeopardises a, a title charge or, you know, in the case of other teams, you know, a, a cup run or anything of that ilk, you know. Absolutely. I think when you look at those Arsenal players on international duty, it is the bulk of their, their squad and the best players in the team. You've got someone like Thomas Partey, who is on international duty with Ghana, um, Arsenal actually sent out their physio, Simon Murphy, uh, to join him in Ghana, um, purely for the fact that you know they want to keep a close eye on his fitness. He's a player who's actually had quite a few injury problems this season, Thomas Partey, so it's understandable. Um, 
But then when you look at Saka, um, Zinchenko, Erdegaard, you know, these are really crucial players um, for Arsenal this season, probably Arsenal's best players. So, yeah, it's it's one of these things which some managers, are, or in fact, most managers probably don't really want to have uh, an international break at this time of the season. But you know, with the World Cup um, being a kind of different, strange part of the, the year, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. But yeah, so far, Arsenal have been okay. They haven't been uh, too affected with injuries, which is good because they will need that fully fit squad in these crunch games coming up. As always, Chris, we've had plenty of listener questions for you, the Arsenal Oracle, as you are. Um, we'll start off with one from FA, who's asking if there is any truth in rumours suggesting that Real Madrid are in pursuit of Gabriel Jesus, and if they are, what would be Arsenal's position in that? And also the player's position in that as well. Would he be interested in an exit so soon after joining the club? Yeah, I saw this one come out of Spain over the, the weekend. It's one of those rumours, those kind of international break rumours, which... Um, tends to crop up usually, um, you know, when it's kind of surrounds a big team, big player. Real Madrid seem to get linked with every big player, don't they? Um, pretty much every day. Um, I think Gabriel Jesus just come back from injury. He has a long-term contract with Arsenal. He's happy at Arsenal. He's on course to win the league with the club as well. So I don't think there's any chance of him leaving anytime soon. Um, would he want to join Real Madrid? I think that's a question which would be best answered by him, of course. But uh, I'm sure he would say um, he's happy at Arsenal. Uh, I think every player has a dream of joining Real Madrid one day. It just seems to be the the go-to, doesn't it? But um, as far as we know, I think Gabriel Jesus is, is happy at Arsenal. Don't think, don't expect him to go anywhere um, anytime soon. It really speaks volumes to the impact that he's made at the Emirates, though, doesn't it? You know that we're talking about a player who. Obviously got game time at Manchester City, but by no means was their first choice. He's he's gone to Arsenal, missed a large chunk of the season through injury, and is still, you know, putting an, a, enough of a, a performance over the course of the season to be linked with arguably the best club in Europe. It is, and uh, I think this is uh, again credit to Mikel Arteta, to Edu as well for bringing in these top class players now, which are attracting the interest of uh, the biggest clubs in Europe. Not that we we've actually verified. This uh, this source, I don't know how reliable the the source is, but in terms of the interest, in terms of Arsenal attracting uh, Arsenal players attracting interest from big clubs, I think it's a credit again to to what they've done, um, both Arteta and Edu. Um, and yeah, I think again Arsenal are, have one of the best youngest squads in Europe, and it's not really a surprise, is it, to see um, big clubs coming in for their for their best players. And just uh, sticking on the topic of Jesus for a little while, I've had a question. Obviously, we know he's, he's coming back to fitness. He's been on the bench for a couple of games. When he is you know, fully up and running again, is he likely to bench Leandro Trossard in his, in his place, Gabriel Martinelli? Where, where do you see sort of Arteta's thinking on that one? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I think Leandro Trossard has had a magnificent impact since coming in from Brighton. Um, I think it's five assists in nine games. He's a a really exciting player and more than anything he's an efficient player which is what you want in the the latter stages of a of a title charge so yeah I think it, it's a tough one for Mikel Arteta because Gabriel Martinelli is back in form he's scoring goals um, where does Gabriel Jesus come in I think he does come in eventually um, purely for the fact that he's 
you know, he's just a, a star player for this Arsenal team and he's almost guarantees you goals. But when the other players are performing, it's difficult to see exactly where he, he fits in. Um, I, I think with Arsenal's front line, they have probably the best front line, don't they, in the, in the Premier League. Bakayo Saka's there as well. Um, perhaps he comes in for someone like Saka, uh, purely, again, for the fact that Saka has played so many games this season. Um, but right now, I don't see exactly where he fits in. Um, I think depending on fitness, though, depending on injuries, he will get games and he will get minutes. And of course, as well, with the, the substitution rule um, this season, I do think that he is going to play a huge chunk of games, especially in the second half of matches, if he doesn't start. And we're talking about fitness and, and players coming back to fitness. I've had a few questions on William Saliba and, and what his sort of fitness situation is at the moment. Yeah, so he has a, what we understand to be a hamstring injury. Um, he's obviously not uh, appearing for France on the international break while he recovers from that. Expect him to be out for a couple of weeks. Could be back sooner than that. Um, but the initial prognosis is a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think Arsenal do have options there, don't they? They do have Gabriel can play next to Ben White. Um, the only issue is, of course... Um, Takahiro Tomiyasu is out for the rest of the season he underwent surgery on his knee um, so he will be missing so it does mean that someone like uh, Jakub Kivior Polish defender perhaps could get a chance in the team um, but at the moment I do have options there they've got Rob Holding as well who filled in uh, the other day and did uh, had a good game so yeah Arsenal have options but Saliba at the moment expected to be out um, for a couple of weeks or less Finally, just a, a little bit of transfer talk. Arsenal being linked with Romeo Olivia uh, at Southampton. Just had a few questions asking if there's any sort of truth in that, what your understanding is, and, and whether or not he'd be the sort of player that Arsenal would be interested in this summer. Yeah, he's definitely the kind of player that Arsenal would be looking at this summer. He's one of many players, of course, on their shortlist. Um, one interesting fact about Lavia is that he shares the same agent as Bakayo Saka, and Eddie Nketiah. So that is quite um, a notable thing as well. I think Arsenal have a good relationship with the agents of Bukayo Saka, um, and they've done a lot of business as well over the past couple of years. Uh, Reese Nelson used to be with that agency as well previously. So, yeah, this is definitely one to look out for in the summer. Um, no concrete interest or concrete approach, of course, at the moment with the, the transfer window closed, but yeah, he's certainly one of those players on the shortlist um, and will be one to watch out for this summer. Of course, as well, Southampton in a, in a very sort of precarious situation with regards to their own Premier League survival. And, you know, it's not out of the question that you know, were they to go down, that Arsenal might, might facilitate a deal a little bit easier, perhaps? I think so, yes. It's a great point. I think any of the, the teams that go down, um, potentially there will be a fire sale with their best players leaving the club. And Lavia is certainly one of those players for Southampton. Um, in what has been a, a pretty poor, disappointing season for for them. So, yeah, I think it will certainly help Arsenal's cause if that does happen. Um, but for now, nothing is concrete because the, the season's still open, everything's still to play for. But um, as I said, definitely one to look out for um, in the summer. That's all we've got time for in this week's show. Join us again next week when we'll be discussing all of the latest Premier League news and developments. In the meantime, follow all the latest sports news at www.nationalworld.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at National World. 
Thanks to Chris. Thanks to James. Thanks to you for listening. This show is produced by Mark Wilson.